spoke a word, you were singing over me. You have been so, so good to me. Before I took a breath, you breathed your life. So, so kind to me. And all the overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of God. And all it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the ninety-nine. And I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it.
Well, good morning, church. It is so good to be with you once more uh, on this week's Mount Pleasant podcast. And it is good to be with you this week as we launch our new sermon series, Gate Crashers. And we're going to get into what exactly that means a little later and and some thoughts I have on that. But um, for those of you who have been listening, uh, we did the Into the Unknown series. We moved into the Authority of Jesus uh, kind of mini-series. We looked at last week the granting of that authority, how how the authority that we see in Jesus in Luke 8, then at the beginning of Luke 9, he bestows to the disciples and certainly to us. And today, as I said, we start gate crashers. And for the next few weeks, we're going to be really looking at the church, the church and, and the kingdom of God and, and how to live that all out. Uh, I am currently meeting with uh, some, some uh, leaders from our... Uh, regional conference and we're wrestling with the idea of of what is a disciple and man you can start to really unpack a lot of stuff with that Um, but for me what I've been really dialing in on is this word life if we are disciples it's not just something we do it's what it's who we are it's 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 part of our life as we continue to grow on that journey and and we learn to become more like Jesus, all those things that go along with discipleship. But to me, it starts with life. I choose to live my life, to give my life to Jesus, to follow Jesus. And so as we kind of walk through these next couple weeks, um, like I said, what, what are we really called to as the church? What, what does that look like in our current climate and culture? And admittedly, where are some places that maybe we've gotten off the rails and start missing the mark as far as the church Jesus desires and calls us to. And so we invite you to be a part of that series over the next couple weeks uh, as we continue to walk out what uh, the transition right now between red and yellow phase is. We are working on what our plan is here at Mount Pleasant, as I'm sure plenty of other churches are, and just seeking wisdom. And and regardless of what we choose to do, I think what it lands at is, is we want to worship the Lord well, we want to worship the Lord safely, certainly, and, and, and be caring for our body wisely. But at the end of the day, we just want to see the Lord worshipped. And I'm, I'm going to touch on this a little more later, but I'll be honest with you. I know we haven't been able to gather for corporate gatherings, but my worship of the Lord has not waned. And I hope yours hasn't either. And so as we get into our, ga- our great our, uh, gate crashers, series this morning. Let me pray for you before we get further uh, into the scripture. Father God, I thank you so much for the church. Seems weird to, to say that in this season when uh, for many of us it maybe feels like we haven't been at church. Uh, and I know it can be cliche and I know it can sound a little, uh, you know, cheesy pastor line, but you know, uh, the whole like, well, the church isn't a building, it's, it's us. <laughs> But Lord, there's truth in that. And so I thank you that even though a building has been affected, even though an attendance number or a a limit in attendance has been in place, the church has not stopped. Worship has not stopped. And, And so we thank you for that. And so we come to you today, Lord, we ask that as we're in the word, we would be challenged by what we hear today. The Holy Spirit, you would take these these flawed words from certainly a flawed source. Uh, in myself and and take take these and just have them land on fresh ears fresh hearts fresh minds 
as you use them to convict us, stretch us, encourage us, heal us, and challenge us. We thank you for this, and we ask this in your name. Amen. So the scripture I want us to look at this morning, uh, and it's one of these deals where we're going to look at a passage of scripture, but we're really going to settle into one statement of Jesus to kind of launch our our gatecrasher sermon series, is from Matthew chapter 16. And in Matthew chapter 16, we're going to pick up in verse 13, uh, where we read this. It's, it's, it's a fairly well-known passage of scripture, uh, if you've been around the church for any time. And uh, it's a great statement of Jesus, not only in the context and in that immediate moment in the life of Peter and in the ministry of Jesus, but also now for us uh, in the church and what we can gain from that as well. And so we're in Matthew 16, starting in verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, For this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. So we thank God for his word for us this morning and what it means to us in our lives. Um, As we kind of set the scene this morning, uh, or whenever it is you're listening to the podcast, and and take in what's happening here, Jesus and the disciples have traveled recently. They've left the region of the Sea of Galilee, and they've headed to uh, a city that was once called Dan, and is now referred to as Caesarea Philippi. And They've traveled, uh, it's about a 25-mile journey north. It, it took them up uh, 1,700 feet of elevation. So this has been of a little bit of a trip. And, and the journey that, they, uh, that they've been on has taken them away from the predominant, um, from the predominant uh, uh, Jewish area around the Sea of Galilee to now a more Gentile place, a more uh, pagan place, if you will. And in fact, uh, Caesarea Philippi, Philippi is, is one of the, more pagan places. There was a pretty famous uh, grotto there uh, to worship the Greek god Pan. Uh, it, was, it was eclectic in their recognition of various gods and religions from all over the world. And, and it's an interesting place for this conversation to take place on the identity of Jesus. That Jesus would choose to, to have this conversation against the backdrop of, of all these idols and, and false gods And to ask this question, who is it that people say the Son of Man is? Who do people say I am? And the conversation that takes place after his initial question is that some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, some say you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And, and all of these are great men of the Lord. You know, certainly all these uh, people, John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, speak to, to, to men that we can look back into the Old Testament 
uh, in John the Baptist in the New Testament and see, see great men who stood for the Lord, who were used by the Lord, national reformers who stood against corrupt rulers, men who spoke the word of God to people. And yet all these, these great men, these great examples and answers that people come up with all fall short to who Jesus really is. As great as those men were, as great as John the Baptist, who we know was a big part of the beginning of Jesus' ministry, all the, all the stories we read in the Old Testament of, of, of the great way that the Lord moved through Elijah and the great words that Jeremiah spoke as he, as he wept over Israel. As great as those men were, they pale in comparison to Jesus. And so after hearing what people are saying, Jesus asked the disciples directly, well, okay, if that's the word on the street, if that's the grapevine, who do you say I am? What about you? Who do you say I am? Peter replies in verse 16 of Matthew chapter 16, quite simply, two phrases, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Here's what other people are saying. Here's what other people are talking about that, that, that I think, you know, he's, I think he's John the Baptist. I think he's Elijah. I think he's Jeremiah. Who do you say I am? What's your conclusion? And Peter replies, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. This is a powerful moment for Peter. This is a powerful moment in scripture. And could I go as far as to say, church, that it is a powerful moment for each of us at some point. At some point for each and every one of you who are listening to this, my hope is that you've had this conversation with Jesus, that maybe you've gotten to know him from a distance, maybe you've gotten to see what he's up to through some other people, and you start to kind of form your own opinion. Well, well, I heard he's this, and I heard he's that, and you know, this Jesus thing this, and this Jesus thing that. And then as you kind of went through that, that journey of coming to know Christ, of, of seeing him up close and personal, of experiencing him in your own life, at some point, we have this conversation between us and, and Jesus that is like, okay, so who do you say I am? For some of you, you grew up in the church and, and there was a time when, when somebody would have said, who is Jesus? And, and your answer would have essentially been, well, he's, he's the guy that my mom and dad take me to church to get to know. Or he's the guy that my parents try to be like, so I try to be like. And at some point, there has to come a moment in our walk with Christ where Jesus sits down with us one-on-one -on -one and he says, it doesn't matter who your parents say I am. It doesn't matter who your grandparents say I am. It doesn't matter who your friends say I am. It doesn't matter even what your pastor or the church says I am. Who do you say I am? Peter's response of, you are the Christ the son of the living God is powerful. And Jesus' reaction to Peter's declaration is life-changing for Peter. So much so that he, he gets a new name out of it. Simon, you are 
blessed. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. There's just this, been this like spiritual revelation in, in Peter's life, in Simon's life. And in verse 18, Jesus said, and I tell, I, and I tell you that you are Peter. He, he, he gives Simon this like additional name and like draws almost like a play on words for Peter's nickname. And, and when we land on that, Peter, you are the rock. This is the real meat of where I want us to get to kick off this series. There's some disagreement on what takes place in verse 18 as Jesus responds to Peter's declaration that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus goes on to say, uh, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now here's, here's where the disagreement comes in, right? So we see him say, you are now Peter. Peter, uh, the Greek word Petra, uh, is, is, is kind of used there. It's a nickname, so, which means the rock, right? He refers to Peter as rocky or the rock. And then he goes on to say, on this rock I will build my church. So here's where the disagreement comes in, right? There's kind of three options. Was Jesus essentially saying, Peter, you're the rock, and on you, Peter, I will build my church? It's kind of one way that, that it's read. There's another way that, that scholars and, and biblical commentators have read this verse and said that Jesus himself is the rock, and he would build the church on himself. And the third way of kind of looking at this is that the declaration of who Jesus is by Peter is the rock on which the church is built. Now, you can land in a couple different places on that, um, and, and the wording to me sort of falls in the middle, but the truth of the matter is this, that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, and by identifying him as that and declaring him as that, it is foundational to the church. In this setting, it is Peter making the statement, but it is true for anyone who shares that declaration that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. The church uh, in our modern context has become many things. Um, It has become a social hub. It has become... um, a community place, it has become any number of things, good, bad, or indifferent. But man, if you're listening to this, if we as the church, and I, when I say that, I don't necessarily just mean Mount Pleasant, I mean the, the body of Christ together. If we are built on anything other than the truth that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Son of the living God, it is a shaky foundation. Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the first and foremost thing that we want to lay the foundation on as the church is Jesus, the truth of Jesus being the Messiah. And it is that truth that then adds so much power and, and, and um, credence to the words that follow from that statement. 
Because listen to this, right? We, we talked just a few weeks ago about the authority of Jesus. And then we saw last week how that authority has been passed down. And li- listen to this, right? So on this rock, and listen, listen, Jesus is the Messiah. On this rock, I will build my church. I will build my church. The church is assembled by and belongs to Jesus. Man, if you're hearing that this morning or whenever you're listening to this and like that doesn't send a little tingle uh, in your soul. If you're one of my, my very well-meaning brothers and sisters who I love and have nothing but grace and peace for as I say this, who have been turned upside down because we haven't been able to gather in a building, man, remember this. The building is just a shell. The church belongs to Jesus. The church has been built by Jesus as the Messiah, as the Christ. This is a truth and a foundation that we must hold on to. The authority that we've talked about the last number of weeks, that same authority given to us last week, comes from the the Messiah who says, I am going to build my church. I will build my church. There's some Greek words I want to I want to share with you, and one we're very familiar with. We've talked about this before. We talked about it a number of, uh, about a year, I think, or so ago. We did a series around our, um, our mission on the mountain, which was taking place last summer, about building and building each other up and building together. And we looked at the Greek word uh, oikai domeo, oikai domeo, which means to build up from the foundation Jesus says, I will build up from the foundation my church. My church. The Greek there is ego, my. Ekklesia. Ekklesia. My church. I will build my church, Jesus says. And ekklesia is a very uh, uh, important word for us this morning, church. Because check this out, right? Jesus uses this, this word, which as scripture goes on and as time has gone on, is used as a synonym for church. Ecclesia is, is, in fact, in scriptures, the first use of the word church, what becomes known as the church. Uh, even before Acts chapter 2 and the day of Pentecost and the birth of the New Testament church, Jesus is using this here in Matthew 16. But here's the scoop, right? When Jesus says it in this setting, he's not necessarily talking about the church All that Greek word means at this moment, the general meaning is a called out gathering of people. A called out gathering of people. Come together, come around this thing. Come and be a part of this thing. And and I know, I know you're hearing that. You're saying, well, see, Pastor Zach, it says we're supposed to be gathered together. Well, I get that. But man, it's so much more than that. It's that you and I have been called to be a part of this thing. Whether it's at our local church on a Sunday morning, whether it's in a small group that we meet with through the week, whether it's <clears throat> in your house church that you're a part of, whether it's in the mission field, whatever it is, we are called from a life that we were once in out into something different that is being built by Jesus. I will build my church. This belongs to Jesus. And that is why it is so important and so um, necessary for us to handle this well. We have been given, we've been allowed to become stewards as leaders and pastors and others. Anytime that you're a part of a church, you're, you're representing the church. 
and it's Jesus' church. I really wrestle, if I'm being honest with you. Uh, I, have, I have some brothers and sisters in the pastor that anytime they catch somebody saying, well, at my church, they always go, well, isn't it the Lord's church? And I, I get it. I get it. I also know that, like, I love Mount Pleasant. And when I say my church, I don't mean that I own it or that I'm in charge here or that anything in, in that sense, but more of a, this is, these are my people. Like, this is where, this is my home. But if we ever say this is my church and, and miss the thought that we mean it more in the line of like this belongs to me or it's mine and I'm, I'm the pastor of it or I'm the council president of it or I'm the, the, the biggest donor in it or this is mine, it should go how I want it to be. If that's our motivation and that's our statement, boy, it flies directly in the face of Jesus' statement here in Matthew 16. I will build my church as Tyler and I were praying here this afternoon before we recorded this sermon, uh, we're, we're in the midst of like all this swirl and stuff trying to figure out what, what moving to yellow phase means. And, and I'll be honest with you, as you listen to this, um, there, there's a piece of me that's not entirely sure what that means. And we're trying to figure it out. And I'm, you know, I feel some pressure in that and some stress in that. And then I had Tyler play this song before I spoke uh, here, uh, The Great I Am. And just hearing that phrase over and over again, the great I am, the great I am, the great I am. Man, this is, this is Jesus' church. Who, what do I have to worry about? He built it. He owns it. On this rock, I will build my church. Jesus is building the church and it belongs to him. Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, you were bought at a price. In Acts chapter 20, verse 28, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Man, this is Jesus' church. He has put equity. He has literally put blood, sweat, and tears into the building of the church. And it belongs to him. And you and I are a part of that. You and I belong to Jesus. We are the church. We as individuals and collectively as the church are under the authority of Jesus. And the beauty of that comes at the tail end of Jesus' statement to Peter. On this rock, on the truth of who I am as the Messiah, I'm going to build my church. I will assemble and put ownership to my church and then listen to this. Listen to the back end of verse 18. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. The gates of Hades is, 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 a, is a statement, is a, is, a, is a phrase, if you will, a catchphrase, a, a, a way of saying um, in, in uh, kind of Jewish culture, it kind of comes out of Jewish culture, out of Old Testament stuff. The idea of the gates of Hades are, are just uh, like the realm of death the realm of death. And so when Jesus says that, that on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it, it's as though he's saying, and the church will never die. The church will not fall. The church will prevail. And, and listen, there's been a lot of mistakes made within the church. There's been a lot of attack against the church. There's been a lot of failure of leadership of the church. And we know that in our culture, in our, in our country right now, there's, 
the church has got some stuff to figure out. And I don't necessarily mean Mount Pleasant, although we absolutely do. I mean the church as a whole. We got to get some stuff figured out. But man, do not forget that the church is Jesus's, that he built it, and that it will prevail. It will prevail. We will go through seasons, we will make mistakes, but the church will prevail. The church is built on Jesus. It is built by and belongs to Jesus. And quite frankly, if I could say it to you this way, Jesus don't make junk. And so while man has messed it up, I have certainly messed up as a leader at different times in my ministry, Jesus' church prevails. We must maintain our focus and connection to Jesus. At the end of the day, the church in and through Jesus will not be overcome by the enemy. Even as death and darkness assault the body of Christ, it will not be overcome. And so, so here's what I want to leave you with this week, right? We, we, we call this series Gate Crashers. And, and I know this doesn't necessarily like, like this isn't exactly what's being said in Scripture. And certainly we won't always be careful with that. But I'm comfortable with the mindset here. I told you that the, the phrase gate uh, and the gates of Hades uh, refers to like the idea of death and stuff like that and, and, and the overall prevailing of the church. But, but this is what's been on my heart, and this is what I want to say to you as I was praying through and reading scripture, getting ready for this sermon series. When I think of the phrase gates, right, I think of something that is static. I think of something that is, is, is defensive, if you will. Gates don't travel. Gates don't invade. Gates, gates don't go on the offense. And so yes, the church is, is often under the pressure and attack of, of darkness. But when I hear Jesus tell us that the gates of Hades aren't going to prevail, I think it's been far too long that the church has set back in defense. I, I want to say this to you, that I am, I am sorry that if any of you listening to this have ever been hurt by the church because we have done a better job telling you what we, are against, what we are against rather than what we are for. I want to say to you today that if you, if you are listening to this and, and, and you've been hurt by the church in the past, because instead of going against the gates of hell, instead of going out and standing boldly in the love and grace of Jesus and shining the light of Jesus into the dark places, rather we have sat back and we have judged from a distance. Or we have made it more about our rules. P- please, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that we, sh- we don't need rules. Of course we do. But my word, church, we are founded and based on the foundation of Jesus, the Messiah. The son of the living God. And if we as the church aren't going and crashing into those gates, if we as the church aren't going on the offense and claiming the name of Jesus and shining light into darkness, if we as the church aren't standing up for what is right, not just because it's the rules, but because at the core of what's right, we want to see people saved and know Jesus, that we want to meet people where they are and rescue people. Jesus says that I have come to seek and save the lost. 
if all the church is doing is standing up on their high ground and pointing at lost people instead of going out to where those lost people are and sharing Jesus and the love of Christ with them, have we missed the mark? I want to say to you that even as we try to figure out what yellow and red and green green phase mean, whether we are gathered in a group or not, it is time for the church to go. It is time for the church to crash into the gates of hell because they will not prevail against us, church. I want to challenge you to be bold in your faith. Be fierce in the way you love people. Be gracious. Be, be, Be abundant in grace as you and I try to reflect Jesus, as you and I try to live as disciples of Jesus. Jesus is our foundation. He is our builder and owner, and he is our prevailer, church. So let's go. Let's go crash into the gates. Let me pray for you this morning. Uh, Gracious God, uh, I just want to ask that you would permit us. um, uh, You know, first of all, Lord, I just want to take some some moments and confess. And and Lord, I I do this certainly personally, but I also do it... uh, uh, certainly like in a, in a corporate sense here at Mount Pleasant, but even corporately as, a, as the body of Christ as a whole. Father, we confess that there have been times where we have taken our eyes off Jesus and where we have uh, served ourselves. And, and maybe even we could say serve the world. And in doing so, we've tarnished the bride of Christ. So would you forgive us, Lord? I want to take a minute right now, Lord, and pray for any brother or sister who's listening to this who has been hurt by the church. I want to pray for those who even right now, Lord, in the midst of all this stuff going on in our country, are wrestling with with their identity as followers of Jesus. Father, would you forgive us for where we've allowed politics to, um, to influence our faith rather than our faith to influence our politics. And again, Lord, I, I can't stress, that's not, that's not meant for anybody. Maybe if, maybe if anything, I'm the only one feeling that. And, and so if that's the case, Lord, I, I just lay that before you. Father, we thank you that we get to be a part of this thing. Man, at the end of the day, would you, whether we've been here at, at Mount Pleasant or a part of the, the bigger church as a whole for, for five minutes or 50 years, would you just allow us to recapture like the kind of amazement that Peter must have felt at that moment when he declared you as Jesus, when you, he declared you as Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And this sort of like, vibrating energy that takes place in that next statement that that's right that's that's exactly who I am and on the true on the rock of that truth on the foundation of that truth I am going to build my church and the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it the gates of Hades will not prevail against it they will not stand against it and so father God would you permit us to have the boldness and courage to crash into the gate to seek you boldly to follow you passionately. We thank you, Lord. We give you all the glory and honor for this, and we ask this in your name. And all of God's people said, 
Amen. God bless you, church. search the world but it couldn't fill me a man's empty praise and treasures that fade are never enough then you came along and put me back together and every desire now satisfied here in your love oh there's nothing better than you there's nothing better than you Lord there's nothing nothing is better than you oh there's nothing better there's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing, nothing is better than you. I'm not afraid to show you my weakness, my failures and flaws. Lord, you've seen them all. Can you still call me friend? Because the God of the mountain is the God of the valley. There's not a place your mercy your grace won't find me again. Oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing, nothing is better than you. Oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you. Lord, there's nothing, nothing is better than you.
turn bones into armies. You turn seas into highways. You're the only one who can sing it out. You turn. You turn graves into gardens. You turn bones into armies. You turn seas into highways. You're the only one who can. 